When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. I'm Nicole Lappin, the only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. It's time for some money rehab. My guest today, Stephanie Rule, is just the greatest of all time in the broadcast journalism space. She's the host of 11th Hour on MSNBC and senior business analyst for NBC News. Just overall, a really big deal. An amazing woman's woman, always. We worked together when I was at Bloomberg and when I was in New York recently to do Good Morning America, I met up with Steph. She is just a wealth of incredible career advice from how to advance in your career the skill set new workers need right now, and even how to navigate times where your career and life intersect. Sorry. Stephanie Roll, welcome to Money Rehab. I'm so happy to see you. I'm, I'm so happy to see happy you. To see I'm you. happy to be with your brain, be with your body, yeah. be with your spirit. Thank I adore you. you. I adore you back. And when we started in this business, 500 years ago, uh, finance was not fun, sexy, and cool. But all of a sudden, it's like had a moment. It surely has. So you started on Wall Street. Back in the day, I remember the difference in the bathrooms. Like at the Merck, the women's bathroom was like a closet. And normally the women's bathroom is more palatial, but the men's bathroom was palatial because there was like two women or three women on the floor or something like that. When did you start? Gosh, um, I went to school never thinking I was going to end up uh, on Wall Street, but I was studying abroad and I, I studied abroad two out of my four undergrad years. I was in uh, Guatemala, Kenya, and Italy, and I wanted to stay in Europe, and I didn't have any money left. And so I thought, how am I going to get a job? Oh, they have banks all over the world. So I wrote letters to Le – I went to Lehigh, to Lehigh alumni, like, I would like a summer internship. And Merrill Lynch offered me a job in Switzerland, but before the summer started, uh, the whole group quit, so there was no job. So they said, you can work in New York for the summer. I was from New Jersey. I said, great, no sweat. So I went to go work and I at Merrill Lynch and I had this terrible like back office documentation job where I was just I spent the entire summer in like a giant filing cabinet, but I had to make deliveries onto a trading floor. And a trading floor is much like a newsroom, right? The most exciting place, adre you know, football field, adrenaline infused, exciting, fun. I didn't know what anyone there did for a living, but I met two guys, two nerds, awesome nerds who traded interest rate derivatives, and I befriended them, and I said, if I like come in really early in the morning before my job starts, and then I come back late in the day when my job ends, would you guys teach me about this? And they were like, yes, definitely. And so by the end of the summer, I still wasn't like, yeah, I want to do this. It wasn't, I want to be an interest rate derivatives, but I knew whatever this was was for me. And uh, I never felt, and I, I doubt you did either, I really didn't feel intimidated by the male-female thing. I felt intellectually intimidated, academically intimidated. Um, but to me, I felt like 
I'm a rare bird here, right? Like th- th- this, th- this is an endless sea of fleece vests and khakis and, <laughs> and dudes that all just took a train from Darien. Like there's not a lot of people that look and sound like me. So I, for me, I always took that as a, as a net positive. An asset, not a liability. Totally. Yeah. So I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I end up going to Credit Suisse right out of uh, undergrad. My training program was largely MBAs and people who went to schools they target, Ivy League schools. And at the end of my training program was a competition. And they basically gave you this giant textbook that's like the history of Credit Suisse. And in front of like a jury and about like 150 managing directors at Credit Suisse, each trainee had to do a presentation on the bank. And one person in the program did like, had a giant whiteboard, there was practically smoke coming out of it, like deriving black shoals and blah, 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 quantitative analysis through deductive reasoning, you must do business with Credit Suisse, right? (laughs) My presentation was like practically an America's Got Talent, like dance show (laughs) with costumes and an extravaganza. And me and that guy both won it. And I married him. (laughs) Plot twist. I know. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Totally crazy. And I didn't marry him until a few years later, but that's how we met. Because when I was in the Credit Suisse training program, I was so overwhelmed and so stressed. I had no I had no real finance background. I had no network. Right. So like my husband, he went to Princeton and played lacrosse. So he was like the pedigree. It like like Exactly the pedigree where, like, I assure you, there's no correlation between being a skilled investor and playing lacrosse. But what there is, is a real network, right? So he, while he was an undergrad, right, there were people that worked in that industry calling him on the phone, telling him about it, saying, come spend a day with me, right? And then when we started at Credit Suisse and he set foot on a trading floor and I set foot on a trading floor, there was a whole network of guys that were like, come on over here. So for me, and this part's shameful and crafty, I realized really early on my only skill was that I was quick and I was a problem solver, right? Like nobody was calling me on the phone for investment advice, but I was surrounded by people who needed shit done quickly. It was when Time Out Magazine was everything and Zagat was like a Bible. And I met and befriended every hot maitre d' and hostess in New York City. And all these guys would need to go out two, three nights a week. And I would book everybody's tables. But I would tell them, a girl has to be at dinner. Like, none of these hot restaurants are going to want to have a table of eight dudes. Yeah. I'm going to have to – like, I'm so sorry. I can only get the table if I come. Genius. It Like, maybe that was even, like, the secret of my success, that there I was two, three hours, and I wasn't just somebody answering the phone at work two, three hours. Like, there you are, like, learning from and getting to know the biggest investors in your asset class, and then it all just sort of built from there. But it's – the reason I'm telling you this story is people look at Wall Street or they look at tech, they look at all sorts of industries and think, like, I have no edge or I didn't study engineering or I didn't study finance. Like, you don't need to necessarily. You need to figure out where is there a hole and is there a way for you to fill it. And for me, my regret is that I was so focused on surviving or the hustle or um, managing imposter syndrome. That trifecta is so um, all-encompassing that I 
didn't spend at least two or three years that I should have just learning. Hmm. Right? So so for many, many people when they when they enter an industry, you've got a grace period. You've got a period of time where they are not going to ask you to perform. They're not going to ask you to make money for the company. They're actually there to teach you. And I really regret and I wish I would have spent that time building my foundation. But that's a luxury. You it have is. to hustle. No, no, no. I mean, is. that's like trust fund problems. It is. But for lots of people who end up in competitive industries, in training programs, I got ahead of myself that I was like, I want to get out of this training program. Right? Like a training program is really a safety net. And I viewed a, a training program as like, yuck, those are training wheels. I want to get, get these training wheels off. Like, I want to be on the main stage, right? Because as long as I'm in this program, I'm like stuck, uh, I'm, I'm bound by all these other trainees, and I, I want to fast track. And I just, I just have so much regret over that because then I just spent my entire career in finance, like, using finance cliffs notes, like – Or finding – a lot of cool nerds to help find you it, Yes, yes. But that's my point. Or like still being 10, 15 years into my career and like writing words down on a call that I don't know what they mean and then crawling under my desk and calling my husband going, yo, 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 can you walk me through this? And like, yes, it's great that I'm crafty and I can figure that out. But I just wish I would have had the self-restraint or patience or, or know-how because always having to hustle, like – being a hustler and having a good foundation is an awesome combination. I just have a lot of regret over never not spending the time to build that foundation. And you're using the perfect word that it's a luxury. It's a luxury because if you're somebody who doesn't have a lot of money, who isn't quite sure how you're going to make rent, you feel like I got to make as much money as I can before I get kicked off this ride. Yeah, you over-index on the hustle because you have to. But that's because you don't believe that you deserve to be there. Or you just need to survive and you need to pay your bills. Yes, but this this goes to on my husband's lowest day or my lowest day, he may have thought I really effed up this time, I might get fired, but I guarantee he's never thought, do I deserve to be here? I'm not one of them. He's always believed he was one of them. And I don't begrudge him for it. I just want more people to be in the network. Hold on to your wallets. Money Rehab will be right back. Money rehabbers, you have money hidden in your house. Yeah, just hiding there in plain sight. Okay, so I don't mean you have gold bars hidden somewhere in walls, treasure map style, but you do have a money-making opportunity that you're just leaving on the table if you're not hosting on Airbnb. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. By hosting your space, you are monetizing what you already own. It doesn't get easier than that. For me, hosting on Airbnb has always been a no-brainer. When I first signed up, I remember thinking to myself, self, you pay a lot of money for your house. It is time that house returned the favor. And to get real with you for a sec, I felt so much guilt before treating myself on vacation because traveling can be so expensive. But since hosting on Airbnb, I feel zero stress for treating myself to a much needed vacation because having Airbnb guests stay at my house when I'm traveling helps offset the cost of my travel. So it's such a win-win. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you ever get FOMO, fear of missing out? Well, do you ever get FOMO Tupita, fear of missing out on the perfect hire? If so, I have the antidote. 
It's LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites, and that adds up to a serious squad of awesome candidates. LinkedIn has over a billion professionals on the platform, and these candidates are super qualified. So much so that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. I work with LinkedIn Jobs for all of my dreams team needs, so they're hooking up money rehabbers at linkedin.com slash MNN. Go there and you can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash MNN, as in Money News Network, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now for some more money rehab. I mean, trust me, there is still a huge element that kills me around sort of a, a, a mass portion of our population, especially women who are like, la, 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 I don't get money, I don't get finance. And I'm personally over that, right? I, yes. I accept that there's no financial, there's no set curriculum financial education in private or public school. If you don't come from a family that teaches it, you don't have a base. But we talked about that 10 years ago. We're past that. And, and for me, anyone who's like, I just don't really get money. Yeah, you do. Because I know you want to make more of it. I know you like to spend it. Um, why are you going to put yourself in a position where you interview for a job, you fight to get the biggest paycheck you can, and then what? When that paycheck comes in, you, you, you care nothing about it? And I feel like in the last five years, especially supercharged by the pandemic, right, you saw so many people start to kind of take their power back a little, more and more people want to get educated and excited I think there's obviously some pitfalls around meme stock trading, around crypto. And to me, not that those things are good or bad, but for so many people, they're get-rich-quick schemes. Over the last 10 years, I have never been able to successfully explain what's the problem crypto is solving for. Mm -hmm. And so I just say it from my own personal standpoint, I never covered it because I'm like, I don't get that one. And so it was, it's always been alarming to me over the last few years, people just piling in and piling in. And trust me, I surely had fear of missing out during this period of time. I mean, when you look at some of these meme stocks and the way they move in one day, we made a documentary about it uh, at NBC. But for every super success story, there is so much roadkill all along that path. That's a good way um, to say it. That's and I just want people who are now getting excited about finance to be aware of all that. Well, because there's such an impetus to get rich quick. Like, mm -hmm. what's the shortcut? What's the cheat code? There isn't one. There isn't like, one. Like, there really isn't the one. The cheat code is there isn't one. Saving is the best thing you can do. As lame as it sounds, creating a budget for yourself. Like, you and I both know this. When you think about your personal life, your romantic life, one of the greatest things to have, the most powerful thing to have is the ability to walk the hell away, yes. right? Is to walk away from a man, is to walk away from a job. When you, and I realize I'm saying this as a privileged person who's always had white collar jobs, not always, but when you know you can pay your rent, right? When you know you have saved up three to six months of security, man, I deeply believe you'll be better at your job. You'll be better in relationships because that man or woman that you're with or that boss that you work for, if they know you're financially dependent, 
they will treat you significantly worse. Yeah, it's it's crazy how many women stay in abusive relationships because of money, because they don't think they can handle the money. That was part of why I wrote my last book, Miss Independent, to find that independence from an abusive any relationship that you're going to have. Like, have that fuck you money. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, but it can be money where you can support yourself. And a guy is not going to know more. I just think, especially like our mother's generations, like, Women for years and years who just stayed in bad relationships because they couldn't find a way out financially. And even the thought of um, my kids might have to change schools. I might need to leave where I live. Staying in a bad job, staying in a bad relationship, you might survive, but you're never going to thrive. And I just want everyone to have the know-how and the tools to, to at least suffer their way out of it. Right, you've got to know where your money is, how your bills get paid. Right? When 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 people move to cities like LA or New York, like come on now, you cannot just say this is the prettiest apartment. You need to truly move to the, before you move to that city, create a real budget for yourself. Right? And and I just think gone are the days of like let's just go out tonight and see where the night takes us. Like I want you to go out tonight knowing that you can pay your bar tab. Not to say, hey, wouldn't it be great if somebody rolls up on you and says, I'm going to treat tonight? Yes. Consider that like you just hit a quick jackpot for the night. But that shouldn't be the way that you live. And especially when you think about disposable income, I love that COVID made all of us look a lot more closely at our disposable income, right? People looked at like, how much am I spending on bars, restaurants? Nails. Nails. That you couldn't go to. But, but you know what I mean? Just like disposable fast fashion clothes. And I, I, I think that people started, yes, they missed going out, but you really started to say, holy cow, how much do I spend? And now we come out of COVID and with inflation, now when you go out to dinner and you're like, I'm sorry, an entree costs what? Right? I mean, I have three kids. So like when I, I just the other day, my son was uh, came to see me at 30 Rock and I took him downstairs and I got him fried chicken fingers, and they were $26. Stop. And I remember, and, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, this will not be happening again. Because you but probably got an air fryer over the pandemic. Totally. <laughs> and all my kids actually learned to cook and bake. But I just, COVID forced us to to change our lifestyle. And, and for those of us who had jobs that we could keep and were getting paid through COVID, you actually started to see savings accrue. Right. And months would pass and you could say, oh, my God, you know, because you're not buying plane tickets and you're not going to concerts or shows. And when you actually see that savings build and you're like, wait, maybe I could redo this kitchen. Maybe I can get a new refrigerator. It, it kind of forced us to be budgeters. And I want us to keep that. Right. It's, it's like the plight of, of flash sales and credit card debt. Like nothing is on, you're not buying anything on sale if you're not paying your credit card bill in full. Because when you get through interest and fees, those red leather pants you bought on a flash sale for 80 bucks instead of 200 end up being 350 And we need to keep hammering that message into ourselves and our friends and our sisters and our brothers because credit card debt will just bury you. Oh, my God. I mean, I was in credit card debt. That's a lot of why I do what I do because I figured out how to get out of it the hard way. And you can use that same, what I found is that same crazy force of compound interest that's so often used against you in the financial system. You can use that same force to yes, your favor. 100%. So cool. How cool is that? But what is it? 
I don't know. I don't even think it's intentional, but it's though it's like there's a universe of people. There's a club of people that are like, I'm going to be the person who's going to handle money and I'm going to figure it out. And this other group of people is like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Well, you're you're screwing yourself, right? Right. This is the ugliest way to put it, but the person who controls the money ends up being the boss. True story. And why do you want to put yourself in that position? Yeah, and even founders or even people who start a business say, like, I'm the creative person. I'm going to find a finance person to do all the books and stuff. You still need to know what's going on. That's your but right. Yes, like, j- j- it, that. that's the best example, and it kills me because you have these extraordinary founders, extraordinary founders who are like, yeah, somebody else is going to do the money part. The money part is the gas in the engine, okay? Like, yes. You may have designed this car, but if there's no gas, it goes nowhere. Why are you just turning over the gas to someone else and paying attention to nothing? Like, you didn't – if you just wanted to be creative, then you should have just gone to work for somebody else. But if you decided to be a founder – Sorry, sis. Sorry, bro. You need to figure out the finance end, too. Yeah, because it's a language, like anything else. Like, the first time I heard EBITDA, like, it sounds like an STD. Totally. But it's a language. If you go to China and you don't speak Chinese, you're going to be really confused. If you go to Wall Street, you don't speak the language of money, you'll be really confused. I started on the floor of the Chicago Merck when I was 18. Everything sounded like gibberish to me. Until it didn't. But that's the case for every industry and every language, right? right. If you were CPM a sports announcer, or whatever. Right? If you were a sports yeah. announcer, you wouldn't understand any of that. If you worked in fashion, but yeah. but it's just this high barrier of entry that we think, I'm not going to get it. I just, I beg people for your own self, for your kids, for to, like, I want you to be able to manage your own finances because your wealth health is, a, 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 I believe, um, truly part of your overall health, right? Like, you know, you said you're in credit card debt. You know when you're in credit card debt. You know when you're in a situation where a collections agent is calling you. So scary. It makes you physically sick. Yeah. Physically sick. Totally. Right? You you walk, you quickly walk by your mailbox in your building because you don't want to see it, right? That's, nobody should live that way, right? We know that there's a connection between your emotional health and your physical health. Financial health is a big, big part of that. And and understanding that, I just think is so important. The anxiety. It's terrible. The stress. It's terrible. I mean, I remember not opening my credit report because I was like, uh, I just rather not know. If I don't know, it's not gonna hurt me. Mm-hmm. Ignorance is not bliss. Yeah, and that's totally not the case. But oftentimes we with finances, I think, you know, not to get all stoicism on you, but like suffer more in imagination than in reality. And we think it's really hard and complicated and that it's going to be so bad. And what did I think? Why did I not open the the credit score? Did I think, like, the feds were going to come and arrest me? Like, I don't know what I thought. Yeah, I, I, I made up all these crazy stories. Think about all the people who just avoid literally paying their taxes. So a few – a month ago, um, I had Craig Melvin from the Today Show go on a cash diet with me. Um, and the funny thing is, for years – I've been telling other people to do it because it's a great way to understand how much money you spend, um, to start realizing where your money's going and start saving. But I've always been telling other people to do it. Because it's tangible. Because it's tangible, So right? take money out in cash or a prepaid card, yes, maybe? Yes, so, so, so don't change your behavior, but spend – it can be a week, it can be a month. Start with just a week. Only pay in cash. 
And one of the reasons I got really excited about this is my kids. You know, I, like so many other parents, are like, oh, my gosh, it's great. We're cashless. Like, you know, they've got uh, – they have Apple Pay, and we just put a little bit of money – you know, we don't put a lot, but we put a little bit of money in their account. And, like, they would come home from the convenience store, and each of them have, like, four drinks on them. And I'm like, four drinks? And two of those are bottles of water? You were coming home. What are you, crazy? You're not going to have any money left at the end of the week. And – they had no awareness of how much things cost. And you can't parent your kids in a bubble, especially if other kids have lots of money yeah. to spend. But if you or your offspring only have cash, it completely changes your behavior, right? Think around about you might have yourself on a real budget, but you go out tonight with your girlfriends, you're going to buy another round of drinks. You don't feel like going home. You're going to be like, let's do shots. Let's buy shots for everybody. And you're going <laughs> to blink. Uber, right? right? And it's like let's swipe, 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 okay. feels free. And you're that drunk. That is the best example. So pre-COVID, I definitely used Ubers, but I definitely took the subway, and I definitely walked. So I went on this cash diet. Multiple times over the course of this week, I had to get out of taxis 10 blocks too soon because I didn't have enough money on me. My daughter would be looking at me like, Ma, I don't even have a jacket on. I have ballet shoes. And I'm like, sorry, we don't have enough cash. You know, pre-COVID, Uber, Lyft, these rideshare services cost less, right? That's when Uber especially was still deeply funded and subsidized by SoftBank. And now their prices have gotten a lot more expensive. Taxis have gotten more expensive. And... Throughout COVID, a lot of people stopped using public transportation because it wasn't safe. But we've kind of now just got into this groove. I mean, I came out of this one weekend and I'm like, how much money did I just spend on nothing, on transportation around the city? And it's funny because both of my teenage sons are like avid New York City bus users. And I'm always amazed. They're like, crosstown, uptown, downtown. And they're like, yep, just takes one swipe. But when you start spending only in cash, you really see where your money goes in a big way. Some mall stores, fast fashion stores, the, the J. Crews, the Banana Republics of the world, we've all become addicted to sale shopping, right? When we walk into those stores, we see clothes we like, we very rarely pay full price because we know they're going to go on sale, but we're like, oh, it's on sale. So it must be free. But if you only have cash in your pocket, right? So when you walk into a store and that blouse started at $198 and now it's $68, you are like, oh my gosh, great. But if you were spending cash and you open your wallet, you're like, $68? Bucks? Uh, I still need to get lunch and I have to get home. Yeah. It really changes your behavior. And so this sort of goes back to just using that credit card. It's great to have the ability to use credit cards. It's great to know how to use them to your advantage and get the points and the benefits, but they are so, so dangerous. They just put us in a position, right? Think about all of our Amazon accounts, right? Click, 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 click. One click. Yeah. And then, you know, even during COVID, right, that Amazon box showing up on your front door, that delivery from Etsy was the adrenaline rush that you used to get from going out and going shopping. It was almost like a surprise gift for yourself. Those things add up. Well, because you know these tech companies know the science behind like a dopamine cage match that they get you 100%. in. A hundred percent. And so you become addicted. And when you have cash, the cash is gone, the party's over. But you can also like for practicality use a prepaid card or something yes, like yes, that. Like yes. during COVID, but you I just couldn't mean, use actual cash. If you limit the amount of, of money you have access to, it will change your behavior. Or it'll make you far more aware of where all that money's going. So how long do, do you say do that? I think people should do it for as long as they can. 
I mean, I did it for a week and I was so embarrassed that this is something I've been pushing people to do for years. And then like the teacher failed the exam. It was like I was a driver's ed teacher who got behind the wheel and couldn't do a three-point turn. What was that like Rogaine commercial? Like I'm not yeah, only am I the yes. founder, but I'm also yes. a customer. Yes, hair club for men. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm not just I'm not just a founder. <laughs> I'm a customer too. That's no, right. that was me on the cash diet. Man, I just learned valuable lessons about where I spend money every day. And what did you end up changing after that? The first thing I did was transportation. Just the... I just got myself in a groove of everywhere I went. I'm like, Uber, 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 Uber. If I said to you 10 years ago, Nicole, you're going to have a private driver everywhere <laughs> you go, you'd be like, girl. But that's how many people, especially in urban centers, in, in, in a COVID world, it's kind of, and again, I realize this is a very privileged conversation. Um, it's kind of where we ended up. So I'm giving my example of my like, hold the heck on a minute. We're going to rein this in. But I think all sorts of people in different financial brackets, when you go all cash, you just start to see where that money's going. We end the show with a tip you can take straight to the bank. I bet you have a thousand, but what's your favorite? Mind your own business. (laughs) Mind your own business. Keep your eye on the ball in terms of your career and your finances, right? This goes to you not wanting to open your mail, right? You can't stop opening your mail, girl. You have to mind your business. So in your own sense, manage your own household. Don't ignore things and think Prince Charming is going to sweep you away. But also, mind your own business. Stop counting other people's money. Stop looking at somebody else's career, somebody else's life, somebody else's kids, somebody else's relationship. Mind your own business. Double entendre is always my favorite. Mind Mind your own business, like mind your actual business, your finances Mm -hmm. and your career, and then like stop comparing yourself. You have no idea what path somebody else is walking. You don't, right? They might be way more talented than you are. A. B. They might have an unbelievable sponsor or a hookup in the company that you just don't have and you're never going to get. Or C. You're right. They are a total fraud, and they're going to blow themselves up. So let them do that on their own, and you don't need to help bury them. Don't spend any of your time acting on spite. Mind your own business. I love you. I love you. You're the best. Thank you for having me. Money Rehab is a production of Money News Network. I'm your host, Nicole Lappin. Money Rehab's executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Our researcher is Emily Holmes. Do you need some money rehab? And let's be honest, we all do. So email us your money questions, moneyrehab at moneynewsnetwork.com to potentially have your questions answered on the show or even have a one-on-one intervention with me. And follow us on Instagram at moneynews and TikTok at moneynewsnetwork for exclusive video content. And lastly, thank you. No, seriously, thank you. Thank you for listening and for investing in yourself, which is the most important investment you can make. <laughs>